Hey everyone, what's up? We're, we're back with a new Rad Years podcast for all y'all, and um, it's been rainy, rainy a uh, couple of weeks. Oh, it was almost a week of rain here in the yeah. East Coast. Yeah, I, I gotta. As soon as we're done with this, I am gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go cut that grass. Well, some. Some I gotta us, watch out for velociraptors. Yes, well, me too. Yeah, the high grass. They, that's how. They, that's where they like to hide. Mm-hmm. I have to work, but I would cut my grass this weekend. I'm getting. I'm going to do it because it's. Uh, it finally got the rain it needed. It was. I went like almost a week without cutting it. That's. We're talking adult things here, huh? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, end of July. I think there's something going on on the West Coast that a lot of people are interested in. Uh, we're not talking Padres games. Is anyone? <sighs> no. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con International. A lot of stuff coming out of there. Uh, DC is making a lot of waves. And um, what'd you think? <laughs> I see. I see what you did there. Yeah, Shazam, the Shazam trailer. Like, I guess they can't call it Captain Marvel anymore. They stopped. I, I thought you were gonna go Aquaman. Oh, uh, making waves. Make well. So you didn't even realize you did it. No. You should have taken credit for that. That was kind of clever. It's we're recording in the morning, Squeezer, and you know how I'm not good. I'm not a morning person. No. I'm, well, it is quarter of ten. Yeah, this is morning for me. <laughs> it's late afternoon for you. It's almost dinner time. <laughs> I already had fried chicken. Chicky chicky fry fry. Nothing? Uh, no. I just dropped the Tom Haverford line on you. Oh yeah. It takes the, it takes uh you know, it takes me a while to register things sometimes. Yeah, well, it's morning, that's why. Now it's funny. No, it's not. It's 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 not morning anymore. People have been at work for hours. Well, anyway, uh, DC's making the big splash. What do you think? Like I said, they they really haven't called Shazam, uh, Shazam Captain Marvel. They've been calling him Shazam since I think the seven seventies. Fi- no, the new fifty two reboot. No, but I thought they had to start using the Shazam thing like a while back because of like lawsuits and shit. Or did I just read that wrong? Uh, no, there was lawsuits, uh, but it wasn't DC. It was the comic book that was owned before. It was, ah, it was okay. DC sued that comic book that that owned Shazam, <coughs> and then wound up uh, making a licensing deal and then buying them all together. Yeah, and it does get confusing with the whole Marvel Captain Marvel Captain Marvel thing. Yeah, so they just call him Shazam now instead of Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And uh, Billy Batson. Uh, so I saw the, the trailer. In my opinion, it was it was very really fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, w- I would say that. It looks like a, yeah, a fun comic book movie. Right. Not something that you would have seen come out in the late 90s. No. 
Well, to be fair, that's what they were. That that was the stretch. Batman Forever and Batman and Robin were going for. Joel Schumacher thought he was making pretty much taking the comic book page and and bringing it life uh, instead of just you you know making a piece of shit. <laughs> Ice to see you. Yeah. Well, again, to be fair. Uh, they kind of did that. That's the kind of shit that would have been in comic books then. But all right, you know, it just didn't work. When when you blow take the comic book page and blow it up to the big screen, when you take that particular comic book page and blow it up to the big screen, it doesn't translate well. Yeah, I thought uh, DC made a really good comic book movie in Suicide Squad. A lot of people hated it. I enjoyed it, and uh, Wonder Woman was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, it looks like they're kind of going with the uh, Ant-Man, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy philosophy with uh, Shazam. Oh, that's a good yeah making, way to look at it. Yeah, making a yeah. fun, <clears throat> a fun movie. The the scene where they're buying beer in the convenience store sold me. I'm like, all right, this is great. And he's in his fucking full costume. Yeah, because that's perfect. And it looks great. And it actually kind of, I don't want to say that in a negative way it, he looks out of place yeah he's a giant which is muscle perfect. superhero it, it, it buying beer in a great. convenience store yeah it's like what is he doing so <clears throat> speaking of taking a page out of marvel's book they should literally take a director they just fired i'm still heated about the james gunn situation mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but i i really feel like dc could benefit from that hire james gunn as, so i was watching Justice League the other night. I came home from work. It was on HBO at 11.30. Enchantress was... She's downless. She's like, let's, let's watch it again. Uh, she fell asleep within the first maybe one minute of the movie. Lucky. Uh, but I watched it tip to tail again. I really enjoyed it. Um, not that I did it the first time, but obviously there's problems with it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I really like Henry Cavill's Superman. I Yeah, I agree. I think he's... And they made the emo Superman. They made the dark, brooding, angry Superman. Let's make the fucking Boy Scout Superman. There's so much you can pull from, uh, and 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 do Superman right. I you know I I I know it's not an origin story, but you could do like a coming of age Superman for all seasons. I know they pulled a lot of that Mm -hmm. in Smallville, but uh, it's not the same audience. Well, you don't need an or again. even a lot of stuff. I just just drop us right in. Well, I mean, Su- Superman for all seasons drops us right in, but it goes back mm-hmm. to when he was it, like the each uh, season is narrated by a different person in his life. So uh, the first season, Spring, is is narrated by Paul Kent, and uh, it tells like how he you know fitting in and how he didn't fit in when he started getting his powers. So. Uh, you know, it's Lois Lane, uh, Lex Luthor, and then Lana Lang uh, does the last uh, piece. You have to read it. Put it on your list. Uh, or All-Star, Grant Morrison, All-Star Superman. Uh, I'm all for And then my my idea, speaking of Grant Morrison, is for James Gunn then to do uh, just a JLA movie. Call it, Don't call it Justice League 2. Call it JLA. And pull from Grant Morrison's JLA run, specifically uh, Rock of Ages, that dark side story. Then you got, then you, then you're set. Then you're off and running. Well, just take 
tick them out of the loop. Just you go buy the rights to Superman and then hire James Gunn. <coughs> yeah. Also, I don't like Batman's suit in these movies. It's you'd rather gray. You'd rather go like gray and blue with a yellow utility belt. I, I, oh God, I'd love that. <laughs> but I think they need to go back to the plated, like uh, Dark Knight suit, Dark Knight trilogy suit. It's mm-hmm. too, the fucking thing's too bulky. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like a. He looks like uh, he's wearing a Batman Halloween costume that has like the fake muscles tied into it. <laughs> And I, you know, I when they first announced the suit back for Batman v Superman, I was like, "Oh, that's really dope. I love the gray with the black." But no, I don't fucking love it. Now I was watching Justice League. I'm like, oh, "It takes me out of it, man. It's not Batman." Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, they they take out the whole detective aspect. Now he's just a, you know, a f- fighting. Ro- he's like a Terminator. Yeah, I, I guess so. Uh, you know, give me. Give me a Batman who. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would like to see a thinking Batman movie. You know, let him be the detective that he is. Yeah, it, it would be. You know, that in the books, that 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 would work better. But I, there, there's a way to do both and do it right. And that's. I mean, if you've read Rock of Ages, squeeze. If you if you like, I've told you for years. You, it's like the greatest Batman detective story ever, and it totally is a as a big twist. Mm-hmm. And Batman's detective reasoning skills are are the twist. Well, blow the ending for me. I'm, I'm not gonna blow well, the ending. Well, now I know there's a twist, so now I'm gonna be looking for it. Uh, I don't know if you'll pick it up. The <clears throat> book? Yeah, probably not. What do you think of Aquaman? Trailer? Uh, it looks good. It looks fun. Um. And we'll see. I'll, I'll go see it. Mm-hmm. You know, I see everything. But if you say it, it's got your money, then I'm impressed. Uh, we'll see. It might. I mean, it'll. I mean, eventually it will. Maybe Redbox. <laughs> it's hard to get out. Yeah, I know. But uh, it was just it. And it looks cool, and it looks like they did some CGI work. Um, some CGI work with it. That looked pretty cool. No, I think they've really filmed it underwater with animals. It was oh, all, really? Yeah. They actually have a real, like, Mosasaur-looking dragon sea creature that he rides? Yeah. Cool. Man, Phil Tippett must be busy. <laughs> but, yeah, that was a lot of cool stuff. Also, uh, the DC... Um, who is it? The DC Netflix was announced. Uh, the, I don't know, Squeezer, if you you follow this. Uh, I got it. You know what? Josh from, oh, I had that. had a good point. He said, when you sit there, no sell me. I need to get a cricket sound. It, I don't, it's not me no selling. Let me, let me, all right, enough of this no selling you. <laughs> I'm not no selling your jokes. I'm not listening to you. <laughs> okay? I'm, uh, I'm reading something else to then either rebute or uh, tag something, so I'm I'm kind of chunking some little information so I can get prepared, and I don't necessarily hear what you're saying. Mrs. Squeezer will defend me to that to <laughs> no end. I can, I can. Uh, what's that fancy word that? Uh, Ignore oh, me. Here I go again. Uh, 
when you do things at the same time. Multitask. Anthropomorphized. Yes. I can multitask uh, with the best of them when it comes to operating a $200,000 piece of broadcast equipment and make dick jokes at the same time. Yeah. But if I'm going to uh, read a blurb and listen to someone talk, forget it. <laughs> well, DC has released their Netflix. You're aware of that, correct? Yes. Uh, and then uh, they announced, they, they put out a trailer for their Teen Titans show. You're aware of that, right? I saw that, yes. And the big line that shocked everybody in the in said trailer was uh, the fuck Batman line mm-hmm. from Robin. Um, that necessarily didn't sell me, but I'm interested in seeing a uh, Swamp Thing live action show. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, also, I'll watch Teen Titans, but more so, and I didn't even realize, I thought it was just TV shows, the DC Universe thing, but it's like uh, it's like the comic book backlog that uh, Marvel Unlimited has. Mm-hmm. And they were offering 15 months for 75 bucks, so I bought it. I oh, cool. It. It, it's like uh, when I get those yellow letters in the mail from Sirius XM, like, begging me to come back for, like, $30 for, like, two years. I'm like, that's ah, just not... Sorry, you're not getting my cash. Yeah. That's a decent case of beer right there for a couple days. I uh, Every time my year's up, I they call me and they're like, they, they threaten me with couple hundred dollars and i'm like no you know i don't want it it's cool i'll listen to my phone like oh well we could give you a year for a hundred i was like oh you can now oh that's interesting all right well as long as i get howard stern like oh yeah you get howard i'm like all right that's how they get me got a year for a hundred bucks that's not too bad you let it expire for a couple years and they'll give you like a year for like 30 bucks yeah um I am excited for, and uh, you should all be thrilled about this, you know how I love uh, long-form monotony and detail? Yes. You know Dennis Valuvian is taking over Dune. <laughs> I thought you were going to say they're re-releasing hardbound physical <laughs> encyclopedias. Oh, it, basically that's what they are <laughs> in film form. Uh, and the best part is, <laughs> if you thought... Uh, the other versions, like the David Lynch version or the miniseries, was long. He's only doing the first half of the book. For the, he's breaking the book up into two films. And if Blade Runner was like three hours long, just imagine. This is going to be like uh, Return of the King like ten times over. Ugh. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. Return of you know the how King. happy I am going to be to sit there for like four hours straight in a giant movie theater by myself? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I'm going to have to, if I, if, you know, when, when Enchantress and I eventually watch hers, her Netflix DVD of the first movie, we're going to have to clear out a few days to get through it. That's how it felt uh, watching I, 2049. And I, and I like 2049, but I don't as know. you should. I don't know why they ha- bothered to hire any other actors. It was, it was like a one-hander with Ryan Gosling. I wouldn't say that. No, that he was the folk. I don't even know why they had advertised Jared Leto in in the movie. He had some great scenes in there. He had two. Yeah, and they were fantastic. <laughs> I suppose. I'm more I'm more disappointed that we lost uh Batista, Batista in the so first early. Ten minutes. What's that? In the first ten minutes of the movie? Yeah. 
I go back and watch his little mini movie, uh, the little short that they made of him over and over again. It's pretty good. Uh, anyway, uh, could I do some promos really quick, Squeeze? Yeah, go right ahead. Uh, this is for you, too, so I want you to listen. Okay. Uh, we're going to promote our website. <laughs> What's so, the address? Radyears.com. Write it down. Hang on. No, I'm, I can type. I can type. <laughs> Visit radyears.com today and relive your summer vacation from when you were a kid. And we don't have much longer on this because summer's fucking almost over. Read about It's been over. <laughs> read about uh, going to see movies at the drive-in theater, in, the oldest drive-in theater in America, my childhood obsession with Ghostbusters and Dick Tracy, and Batman Returns. And you can look at pictures of my action figures collection that I actually have of them. How I spent my summer nights watching Thunder in Paradise because of Hulk Hogan and the rest of the WCW wrestlers he got jobs in. Uh, the art of staying up late on a summer night and sticking in the kitchen and stopping the microwave before the beep, which we all still do. Yeah. Uh, read about getting sick in the summer. Uh, Enchantress just had a cold and I wanted to give her some orange triminic and then bubblegum amoxicillin to make her feel all better. If you remember those, you could read all about them on radiers.com, relive the days of riding bikes all day and night, going to the mall, having super soaker battles. You could see pictures of my old toys, like I said, clips from our old local newspapers, watch old commercials, read reviews of the newest summer cereals and candy, and more on what is it, Squeezer? Uh, hang on. You hang aren't on. listening. Rad, radiers.com. Yes, dot net. Uh, roll, we're going to roll right into a Halloween event. It's not Dinosaur Dracula's Halloween countdown, so don't expect it in mid-August. Uh, but uh, and we're going to we're going to make the summer. It's going to be. I don't even know. Is it proper to say Indian summer anymore? Uh, I don't even think you're allowed to say Native American summer anymore. <laughs> so, like I said, there's Halloween candy already out at our local sheets, and uh, I saw it at. Uh, the giant supermarket the other day they they started stocking the shelves with halloween candy so it is coming but not soon we're going to stretch out summer as long as you can uh this is also a kind reminder to subscribe rate and review us on itunes or your apple iphone podcast app or wherever you listen to this if you like the show it's the easiest way to help us out and it costs nothing to do and it really helps us get the show out there to other people so uh subscribe rate and review and you can help us out and i'm done that's my plug for the the day Nice job. Thank you. So what are we talking about today? Uh, I honestly don't remember. It's <laughs> been a week since I had these notes done. Yeah, well, it's Summer Blockbusters 2. And, oh, Summer Blockbusters 2. And it's about the time we did it last year because you uh, we're approaching the end of the Summer Blockbuster season. We got in about another two weeks. Then you get into that August dumping ground. Right. I think the the biggest one just came out, the last big one, uh, Mission Impossible, like, 17. Oh, really? You know what? I, like, I see trailers for it, but I don't, like, halfway through the trailer, I'm like, I kind of just tune out. I, like, I, no, I don't I need to know, like, a broad, uh, when it's going to, you know, get released or anything. I like the trailer for it, and uh, we're actually going to go see it. It's got 98% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. People love it. Really? Yeah. Uh, maybe it's just... here. I really loved the first one. The first one I loved, but I was so young when I saw it, I really didn't understand it. It was 22 See, years ago. I did too, but it like it kind of blew my mind. Like, oh, wow, I kind of have to... I felt like I was smart watching it. Yeah, there was a lot you, of great set pieces and action scenes in it. Yeah. 
Um, and it really freaked me out about riding on top of elevators. Like, I'm like, I'm never doing that again. Yeah, you don't want to um, do that again. But uh, also I love that one. And I just felt like that one was so, uh, I don't want to say smarter. Like, there were some big set pieces, but they felt like they fit in place and it wasn't so over the top. Like, I feel like they all, they all went the same route as, like, Die Hard. Over the like top. It, they it, had it, to, it had the biggest over-the-top set piece in a good way. Him, like, falling down on the wires, being suspended. Oh, yeah, it, but, but that was it wasn't... That was parodied and gimmicked and talked about for years after that. Well, that's what I mean. It's uh, That was, like, my favorite scene in the entire movie, but it wasn't, like, uh, him jumping, like, from one building to another, like, the equivalent of, like, a city block kind of thing. No. Uh, it was just... It, it felt more grounded. Yes... I know a helicopter got dragged into a tunnel via a train. Yes. And then the chewing gum exploded it and he jumped off and he exploded. Still, yeah, you know, it could happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, we're going to see. I Hopefully hopefully they, they do a double bill with Teen Titans Go at the drive-in because I really want to see that. Uh, there was a line in the trailer where they had Supergirl being interviewed on the red carpet and they asked, what is she wearing? And eyes appeared on her dress and she said, Plastic Man. And I started cracking up. And I think that's it. That's that's the summer blockbuster season. So what a good, what a better time to talk about it. All right. So let's start things off. What what is the most important element to a summer blockbuster? What do you think? Uh, muscle bound beefcake. Yeah. Okay. That I was gonna say be really fucking expensive. Oh yeah. Uh, but be really fucking expensive and have a muscle bound beefcake. Yeah. Perfect. All right. If you thought you'd seen it all, see it again. I insist. The biggest movie of the summer is T2, rated R. Now playing at a theater near you. I this love those old hard sells. Uh, those old hard sells. If you think you've seen it enough, you mm-hmm. haven't. See it again. I insist. Uh, the best part about this one was it was a 15-second clip. They didn't... Uh, it wasn't one of those 80s, early 90s, let's just regurgitate random lines at you. Whereas now, now I feel like commercials and trailers, they basically, here is the entire movie summarized for you. Now, please go see it, despite the fact that, you know, everything is going to happen. Uh, back then, it was just, they just took every line that you can think of and just put it in a mishmash. Somewhere in there, there is a... a a nice, happy, gray area where trailers actually really work. Terminator 2 Judgment Day. This was a, a 4th of July release. Well, it came out July 3rd in 1991. And they were on such a crunch because um, they wanted to get this movie out um, on time for the holiday because they thought this thing was going to make a fortune. And uh, and it did. I mean, it brought in... Uh, what five hundred and twenty million dollars in the box office on what was a hundred and two million dollar budget, which at the time, despite the fact that people just pretend Cleopatra didn't exist when you adjust for inflation, was the most expensive movie ever made at the time. Yeah, it cost um, a fortune, but it did set a precedent in CG effects. It wasn't mm-hmm. until people saw the T one thousand that they realized, huh, maybe I can make dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 to uh, James Cameron's credit, it was basically the abyss that said that kind of gave them like 
a foundation to work with. They're like, all right, if we can do this, we can do this. Yeah, that's about essentially how CG graphics in Hollywood started. The Abyss, and then James Cameron was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And then George Lucas saw that, unfortunately, and realized he could start working on episodes one, two, and three, but Spielberg mm-hmm. saw it and realized he can make Jurassic Park. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, it's... It, it, I mean, T-1000 he was going to make Jurassic Park anyway, but he was going to use basically... Yeah, he, his original the plan, same techniques that they've been using for 30 years. No, his original plan was stop motion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but thankfully, they did a mix of puppetry, animatronics, and the CG. It, and it's the mix that makes it work. Yeah, you can't have all CG. Yeah. They, had to, in, they learned that even in Jurassic World. They had to have some mm-hmm. uh, animatronics. And, and, and Terminator 2, I mean, was just a big mix of practical effects and, and CG. They shut down miles and miles of highway uh, for, like, the chase scene at the end. Um, with the tanker and the helicopter. And, I mean, this was all legit. Like, now you'd probably end up keying half of that stuff in. Oh, there was a helicopter chasing a tanker, and they had to get the steel mill, all that. Like, the production level on this movie was just enormous. And then, yeah, the the T-1000. Like, if you... I had a... On my VHS copy, it had, like, a little, like, behind-the-scenes thing on it. Uh, like, how they did it. And it just blew my mind. And for me, like, this was my first... Like, it, it, I don't count Batman 89 as, like, my first big... This is my first exposure. Like, this was what a summer blockbuster was to me. This was my first one. Because to me, like, Batman 89 was, like... I felt, like, at that age, like, this should be normal. Like, okay, it's Batman. Like, I was, because I was in my own little world, I lived Batman, so I didn't think anything of it that the whole world didn't run on, like, something like Batman. It was just, this is what we do. So for T2 to come out and then be something different, something that I hadn't really seen before, because I was, what, I'm not going to, eight, nine? You know, I, I didn't see the first, you know, Terminator until after I had seen T2. Now, to be fair, and, and uh, credit to my parents, they did not take me to see this in theaters. I saw it on my own when I probably wasn't supposed to. Okay. Um, but it was awesome. And I was still freaked out. Like, the whole... We talked about this before when we were talking R-rated action figures. The T-1000 spearing Todd through the mouth while he's drinking the milk still, like, haunts my nightmares. Yeah, I guess you couldn't. You had trouble watching Sopranos when he showed up as uh, the dad and got busted yeah. out by Tony. Mm-hmm. That bothered me too, because that's all I could think of was just that visual. Because I would drink milk out of the carton. And that's probably my biggest fear to this day is being speared through the mouth by a, a uh, cyber. What the fuck did they call him? It was a big technical kind of name. It sounded cool. A robot? But yeah, I don't want to get speared through the mouth by a giant metallic liquid robot arm. Yeah. That's on my top ten list of things I don't want to have happen to me. But yeah, I mean, half of the... Or not half, sorry. For a $100 million budget, a tenth of that uh, went to Arnie. So he, right there, that was that was 10 mil in his pocket. And then it was like 50 million production cost, and then a ton of marketing... Uh, and then good old Mr. Cameron got to pocket some uh, decent cash, too. But it paid off. I mean, it, it 
Yeah, it we, was supposed to be it too. They weren't going to make any after like they Cameron went into this saying he's going to make a sequel to it, and that was it. Like he didn't see it as extending the franchise or anything. Yeah, now uh, I, he's working on a new one, right? He's involved. Um, basically, it's a direct sequel to this one to T two. Different timeline, different uh, uh, you know, multiverse kind of different Earth. We're basically having this on different dimension, you know, time split. So uh, they can just pretend the other stuff didn't happen. Ah, okay. That works yeah. out. Retconning. Worked mm-hmm. in comic books for years. Why not try it you with know, movies? If you can only go back and do the exact same thing with Aliens, I would be a happy boy. Get rid of those Prometheus movies? Uh, I'm okay with the Prometheus. I just, I just don't want Hicks to drown in his sleep. That's all I ask for. Oh, yeah. Alright, uh, alright, here's my first one, and it's a good one. One movie shines above the rest this summer. Batman Returns. Better than the first. One of the most creative and absolutely riveting films I've ever seen. Joel Siegel, Good Morning America. Batman Returns. Rated PG-13. Now play. Uh, that was, uh, a TV spot for Batman Returns, Squeezer. And, um, let's talk a little bit about Growing up, summer blockbusters. I know you, you dropped a hard uh, T two on us, but nineteen eighty nine. Obviously, we all t- we all know that Batman was the summer hit of that. Uh, that that just owned that whole time space from when it mm-hmm. was announced to uh, June when it came out, and and the entire summer. In nineteen ninety, Disney dropped Dick Tracy on us. Uh, which you could read my thoughts on on our blog, radiers.com. That, uh, and, and um, 1990, Dick Tracy, huge. We all wanted to be Dick Tracy. We all wanted to wristwatch uh, walkie-talkie. 91 was Rocketeer. If you could agree with that one, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, wasn't as huge as either Not of those. Not as huge, but it was just, it was fun. I was definitely into it. I was into it, for yeah. sure. Oh, I, I was not saying when I wasn't into it. I'm just saying it wasn't as big as... No. Like, Batman was huge. Dick Tracy wasn't as big, but also huge. Rocketeer was just a little... Not as big as those two, but still big. And then, and then finally, in 1992, we got our long-awaited sequel. Batman Returns came out June 19th, 1992. And my dad took me to see it for my 10th birthday. The Saturday... After my birthday, I was my birthday was Friday the tenth <clears> in <throat> July. We went to see it. We went to like a matinee. It was showing at one forty in the afternoon at our local Tillman Eight, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. the theater that I fell asleep in Enchantress's lap the other night. Why we went to see? There's having uh, a, a Studio Ghibli uh, festival, so we saw Princess Mononoke. And not that I didn't like it, but I'm a tired boy. Yeah. Yeah, it was you two- deserve a nap from time to time. And those chairs are very comfy. Oh, very comfy. It was $2.75 squeezed to see the movie back then. And that was first run. Uh, so if you, uh, I want to go back a couple of weeks how big this movie was. I don't even know if they still do this, but Topps released the, the official movie souvenir magazine for Batman Returns. I think I had that. Oh, I definitely did. My dad was out at a cable convention uh, in uh, San Antonio, and he came back with this uh, $3.50 magazine. The magazine cost more than the, the movie. That's what I, th- I thought was great. 
And that was my, like, you know, he brought me that back. And I was, this thing was my fucking Bible, uh, my guide to the promised land. I poured over every m- inch of minutia in this magazine. And um, it was like battered and beaten up by the time I actually got to see the movie. And uh, there was so much buildup to this movie with other shit like action figures. Uh, mm-hmm. That same mm-hmm. clover my head got trapped in. In the, in the mall, I told mm-hmm. that story. Uh, so my dad and I, and a lot of these stories were my dad. That, that, that summer, my dad and I hung out a lot, and we were both, he was really excited for Batman Returns for me, because I was really into it. But we were at Clover, and uh, the new line of Batman Returns action figures, a lot of them were just recarded Dark Knight, Legends of Dark Knight cards, or mm-hmm. figures. But they released a Penguin figure, and Danny, uh, Danny DeVito's Penguin was so, like, like guarded and they wouldn't let anyone see him that Kenner didn't know what the hell he looked like. So they just repainted their old, uh, uh back in like the early eighties, they, they did a line of, of Batman figures and they had a penguin, uh, from the comic books. So they just took that figure and repainted it black and red and white. And, but it looks so cool. Yeah. And I, I, I think, I think that that's, that worked out for the best. Yeah. It was still a cool figure. Uh, they we we never got the actual Danny DeVito Penguin. About a year later, they put out the an, animated series figure, and they kind of made their Penguin look like him. So that was the closest you could get. Uh, so um, I still have that figure. I posted a picture of it on a radiators dot com. Uh, also, they had they put out these. Uh, er, remember the the company Ertl E R T L. Uh, what'd they make? Like Diecast, like Matchbox. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. they made a line of Diecast, and they, they made the same line for the first Batman movie. And I had the little Micro Machine ones, and I still do. Of I have them on card. Of the little Joker van. I was I almost I was obsessed with the villain. So give me there's a million Batmobiles, a million Batwings, but give me the fucking villain vehicle. So the same goes for Batman Returns. They put out the Batmobile, they put out the Bat Ski Boat, and they put out Penguin's Duck Vehicle, which I had to have. Uh, I remember we got those from Kitty City. Uh, I now have the full collection that I wrangled off eBay. And then let's move on to Toys R Us. We're doing the whole gamut of toy stores here. That's where I got my first actual Batman proper. It was Deep Sea Dive Batman. This bastard's awesome. He's in this neon yellow suit. He comes with this like little like boat thing that he holds on to that shoots a missile. Really cool Batman. Uh, it was the first I had out of that line, and um, really cool. I, I have one that's like beautiful condition. It's one of my favorite action figures. And then of course for Christmas, I w- and we're talking. This is almost this is six months after the movie came out. That's how popular this was still. Mm-hmm. I got the Penguin Commando set. It came with two little penguins that were very lifelike. Our beloved penguins. Yes. And uh, they you could strap <laughs> missile backpacks onto them. It might be the greatest toy of all time. Yeah, it's a great one. So uh, then came... Uh, my mom would take us often shopping to these weird malls outside of Philadelphia. And there was one called Franklin Mills. It was kind of like an outlet mall. Do you, are you aware of this mall? Mm-hmm. Like? Yeah, I've, I've kind of been there. So <clears throat> we were there, and there was a KB Toy Works store there. 
And I said to my mom as we were leaving, I was like, hey, can we check and see if they have the Catwoman action figure toy there? Because she was hard to find. She came out later in the line. My mom's like, oh, no, we, we've looked at the KB at home and they don't have it. So they don't have it here. And, and I stopped and I used my mom's logic against her. And it was, I think I scared my mom for one of the first times. I was like, remember when you were looking for clothing at the one store and they didn't have it, but you called the other one and they did, so we went and got it? I was like, maybe the same thing works with KB Toys. And my mom's just staring at me. She's like, eh, mm-hmm. he wins. Take him in. <clears throat> we went in, and lo and behold, they had the Catwoman. So the drive home, I was playing with a little dominatrix and her whip. Yeah, it is kind of... Uh, I don't know what's more inappropriate, her or if they would have done like a legit penguin figure or you know what no it's um two birds with uh missile launchers on their backs it's probably actually more disturbing than the uh than the dominatrix with the whip right i also would pick up at the kb in our south mall our, our kb proper it was actually a and k toy store and then turned into a kb but i got the robin figure and i was i was confused as a, as a young lad. I was like, this is a Batman Returns Robin figure. There's no Robin in the movie. And this Robin looks just like the new Tim Drake Robin from the comic books. I was like, this is fucking awesome. Also, I was really into WWF action figures at the time. I mean, everyone was the Hasbro face. Oh, figures. sure. So any, a lot of figures you know, I had would join in, in wrestling matches in my ring. Well, the Robin immediately became me because he just got a giant R emblazoned on his Yes. A, I had to be Robin when I was a kid because I had an older brother, and B, he's got an R. It's Ryan. He comes out to the ring, so that was that was me. Uh, but I love that Robin figure. And then finally, in August of '92, we were down at the beach, uh, our, our Rehoboth Beach in Delaware, and I kind of told this story before. They had that applause Batman Returns penguin doll for sale in the candy kitchen store, mm-hmm. and um. You know, my parents got it for me, and I carried around. And he had like a cloth jacket on, and he was the Danny DeVito proper one, his gross flipper hands. I carried around this goddamn thing like it was my my teddy bear forever. I love this fucking thing. It was hard plastic, uh, and and freaky looking. But that's the kind of world we lived in in 1992 when Batman Returns came out. That was a summer blockbuster. All summer long, it was huge. And it was going up against Universal Soldier, A League of Their Own, Sister Act cool world uh they re-released pinocchio with that fucking horrible scene where the kids drink alcohol and turn into <laughs> donkeys have to work in the saw mines uh, and and um there's lessons to be learned there there's lessons to be learned so yeah that's uh that's batman returns i kind of you know told the stories of of my childhood from it instead of telling the plot of the movie but you i hope you've all seen it uh squeeze i took up a bit amount of time let's move on to your next one tell me what kind of man is he a mindless barbarian for passion not a king like you my lord if we join we'll have what none of us have ever had before country of our own for freedom by the help Nothing says summer blockbuster like massive historical 
epic and nothing says massive historical epic like being massively inaccurate <laughs> but that aside well i mean, who I mean doesn't love massive battles the truth doesn't make for like a heartwarming story well actually the the real story actually is even more compelling really but uh so mel gibson uh he he loves his historic uh, epics. This is where he kind of started it off. So in uh, 95... If, if you don't got acknowledge her, she's going to keep going. Hi, Schmuffin. <laughs> hi, Schmuffin. Yep, All right, hi. I'm sorry. So 95, Mel Gibson brings us the uh, great uh, war epic Braveheart. And this is... You kind of take it for granted now. You, you saw all your Lord of the Rings films and stuff like that. Yeah, but they had CGI uh, melee. This was yes. all real people in animatronic horses. Yeah, well, uh, real people uh, twice on both sides. Because, see, they only had like a $70 million budget for this. Yeah. So he, they took, they had like the, um, actually used the royal military over there as extras. And they would dress them up as, um, like, the Scots. And then when they would, like, flip the camera around and you would get, like, the reverse, like, the other side of the battlefield, it was the same guys just wearing, like, the English outfits. Gotta save money. We, yeah, you gotta save money. We've so. done that. We, we shot us looking at someone across the street, and we were looking at the same exact spot where we were standing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's movie magic. Just like you could have... A uh, like a battle of Sterling Bridge, like in the movie, mm -hmm. and not have a bridge. Yeah, <laughs> they kind of left that part out. I didn't see uh, Braveheart until I was in high school. Oh, really? <clears throat> I I I loved this as a kid because, like, for me, like this was, and like I was into history, and that didn't. As a kid, though, when you're like twelve, you don't know that you're what if history is right. Um, I you know and. You look at all his movies, and yeah, they're entertaining. Now, I looked up, and there's a list of uh, top ten uh, most inaccurate historical films of all time. Yeah. In the top six, Mel Gibson is represented 50% of the time. Is um, The Patriot Brave, one of Braveheart them? Braveheart is number two. It's considered the second most inaccurate film of all time. Uh, well, Long, uh, Longshanks was doing all those things. Prima Nocta was a thing. And no, was... no. No, it wasn't. What? No. Right, it was. No. In, in, rare, in rare cases. All right. Well, I'll believe you. Uh, a, 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 lot of that, a lot of that stuff was just kind of blown out of proportion. Yes, that stuff uh, does happen throughout history, but uh, to this... Uh, a lot of the people that even existed and like he fought like weren't even born yet. Uh, it was all jumbled all over the place. U571 is considered the most uh, historically inaccurate film of all time, seeing as it was an American submarine that captured the Enigma and it was really um, British. Like the Americans had nothing to do with it at all. And in fact, they even apologized to the, the, the British people after the fact. Like, yeah, we should have just made it the way it really happened. But you want to sell those American tickets because our money's worth more. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, The Patriot and uh, Apocalypto. Uh, 
I didn't see Apocalypto, but I saw I the. I love the Patriot. What's yeah, what's? And again, the Patriot was fun. But if anyone has read a social studies book at any point, you know that's not how it worked. One thing I did really like about that movie, and I think is still popular this day, popular to this day, is the soundtrack squeeze. Oh, absolutely. The scores. Sound, it was epic and like just sweeping. And they even uh, they even used it again, and I, I think everyone called them out on it for. A trailer for the two towers. Oh really? Yeah, they oh, used that's it. Right. They used it yeah. in a TV spot, and people like freaked out. Like that's fucking Braveheart. Mm-hmm. And so they they pulled it. Um, and like d- despite my my criticism for its inaccuracies, it doesn't mean it's a bad movie. It won five Academy Awards. It won Best Picture. It won Best Director. It won cinematography. It won makeup, and it won sound editing. So I mean that right there and what, what's funny is though it was still only like 17th or 14th or it wasn't even close to being the highest grossing film of the summer where the hell let me look at my it was 18th wow no i'm sorry father of the bride 2 was uh came in 17th uh total gross well uh, i mean best picture winners are normally the best unless it's the Return of the King, Best Picture winners normally yeah. aren't the highest well, movies. Well, let's look at... Oh, God, it got beat by Waterworld. Um, let's look at 1995, though, because it had uh, a hell of a fight. So if Braveheart was 18, it actually did beat out a couple other movies uh, that we would hold up to high regard. Get Shorties up there. Uh, Bridges of Madison County. <laughs> Nine Months Outbreak. He, it beat Bad Boys. Babe, the American present species, twelve months. They beat all these. Yeah. That, remember the net? Damn that! Try that came out in ninety five. Ah. But but beating Sandra Braveheart. Bullock. So Father of the Bride Part Two, uh, Congo, While You Were Sleeping, Mr. Holland's Opus, Dangerous Minds, Waterworld, Crimson Tide, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Seven, Casper, Jumanji, Goldeneye, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, Pocahontas, Apollo thirteen, Batman Forever, and Toy Story. That was the competition in 1995. It was tough, tough fight. That might have been. That might be the greatest Royal Rumble of all time. Notice Congo was in there. Congo is. That's what Congo I was, was watching that 16. summer. That's why I missed Braveheart. Because you were watching Congo over and over again. I was just watching Congo. Um, but yeah, I I loved the. It was my first. Uh, Big sweeping epic. It, I think me too. It's what got me into those movies, and then I was disappointed by a lot of them. Uh, but this one was always. I still. I still like watching this when it's on. Or yeah, it, it, it's you can if you can just sit back and enjoy it for what it is. You know, it doesn't. It's not a history book. You're not. You're not supposed to watch it and learn. Uh, you know. You know, learn a historical lesson from it. You're supposed to enjoy it. It's a film. Yeah. Not uh, not teaching you, you know. But then I'm sure uh, if it wasn't rated R, teachers would lazy lazily roll it into your classroom and let you watch it. On us, I'm pretty sure I did watch part. Like they cut out the TV some edit of the stuff. Yeah. yeah, they they would either do a TV edit or they would do like a a classroom edit. And the teacher, you would watch a really bad uh, VHS dub because they cut out all the naughty bits. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get on to my next one. Walt Disney Pictures presents 
a little problem. I blew up the baby. That got bigger. Do you see the size of his head? And bigger. There's no telling how huge he might get. He's over 100 feet tall. And bigger. Higher. Watch out for his Rick Moranis in the most incredible adventure of all. I am Tony Earth. Honey, I blew up the kid. Nothing can stop him now. Starts Friday, July 17th at a theater near you. So late July at the drive-in theater in 1992, same summer as Batman Returns. Mm -hmm. This was the big movie. Uh, and this did good money. And this was a sequel to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. This time Rick Moranis reverses his shrinking gun <clears throat> and it, it, it uh, shoots the new baby, the toddler they have in their house. Imagine if Squeezette was turned into a 50-foot oh, monster. Yeah, she'd probably run right to the mall, rip open the Disney store, and take all the frozen toys. Mm hmm yeah. Uh, this movie uh, was sued. Uh, there was a lawsuit before the movie was even released. Um, in 1991, uh, Paul Alter, who claimed to have come up with the idea of an oversized toddler, uh, said that uh, that was his idea. He wrote a screenplay called Now That's a Baby. <laughs> now, I like the name. Now That's a Baby, uh, which wasn't made into a film, but uh, apparently he said people at Disney read it. Well, you got to protect it. That's why you need an agent, and then you can't... Yeah, this, he won the, the trial. Disney, oh, no shit. Yeah, Disney was forced to pay $300,000 in damages. Which uh, probably they weren't upset about. <laughs> no, that's just it's that's like their cost of doing business. They, they just went and got their petty cash, and yeah, right. Because <laughs> this movie was number one when it opened, making eleven million dollars uh, and grossing a total of almost sixty million in the U.S. Nice. So yeah, they didn't. Yeah, really... I I saw it at the drive-in too. I remember. I, I think I might have been at Becky's, not Shankweiler's. Ah, that was Becky's. Did Becky's have two screens back then? No, it was just one at the time. Ah. Yeah, I remember they added that second screen. Uh, maybe not too long ago. Really? Maybe within the last uh, 15, 20 years. Maybe the last 20 years. I mean, I could be entirely wrong, but that's okay because this is on the internet. I think you're right. Hold on. I'm looking up um, what was playing with it right now so we can give the people a feel. Uh, Shankwallers, it was... What do you want to guess it was playing with at Shankwallers in 1992? Oh, 1992? Yeah. I'm not cheating, cheating. I'm just looking up... Let's see. 1992. You, you, it was late July? It was end of July, yeah. You saw this uh, at Shankwilders, too, so you saw this movie because Becky's had Sister Act and Encino Man. Okay, I was going to I was gonna go with Sister Act, but Batman Returns? No, Batman Returns was never at Shankwilders. Oh. Uh, uh, hang on. I'm sure. Beethoven. Mm, Ronnie Dangerfield and Ladybugs. You know the cross-dressing movie? Yeah, okay. I, yeah, I remember seeing Ladybugs. When, I guess, you know, that must have been the pairing that I saw it with because 
I don't think I remember seeing Ladybugs again since. But. Yeah, uh, other movies that came out in the... It um, wasn't with Alien 3? No. Oh. Uh, Boomerang, Unlawful Entry, Man Trouble with Jack Nicholson and Ellen Barkin. Playing with a lot of, uh, there's a lot of random other movies. So we saw this, obviously, and you did at Shankweiler's, the oldest driving theater in America. You could read more about that on radiers.com. I went to see uh, Incredibles 2, which was paired with Infinity War. What a good pairing. Oh, that is good. Yeah, at uh, Shankweiler's earlier. I always wanted to be one of those people that lived across the street. Yeah, so what my dad would do was like we drive when we drive past it he'd like get like you could get up on a hill and kind of see the screen mm-hmm. and he'd tune in tune in the station and we'd like like listen to it for like 5 or 10 minutes Oh that's cute So uh but yeah I the movie was you know lackluster at best but at the Yeah time, even even as a kid I wasn't like blown away by it You yeah I was blew, blown up by it Oh yeah, uh, sixty million dollars though, so I consider it in the blockbuster realm. Plus, it was a driving movie, so summer yeah. blockbuster. Uh, moving on, squeeze your next pick. You have been chosen to defend the realm of Earth in mortal combat. Prepare yourself for the ultimate battle between good. Ah, I remember the first Mortal Kombat movie. We all Abs- wanted to see this movie. Yeah, I remember this fondly, and uh, critics didn't love it. No, um, well, it wasn't a good movie, that's why. <laughs> you know what, though? Okay, if on a bell curve, as a video game movie, it's phenomenal. Yeah, as you're right. On a, as a video game, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, you, you tend to forget this movie, it spent three weeks at number one. And it also helped launch the career, uh, career of Paul Anderson, who then went on and uh, maybe did give us some better video game movies, if you're into like, the Resident Evil movies and stuff. And he you know. married Mila Jovanich, right? Uh, yes. Aren't they making another? Uh, I think there's one more coming out, yeah. I don't know. I get, like I said, I get scared. Uh, the, the, the elevator scene in the first one freaked me out so much. I, it wasn't even the zombies. It was... I can't, like, just casually walk onto an elevator. I have to jump the gap because I'm afraid I'll be severed in half. He admitted he didn't know much about, one, uh, choreographing and shooting fight scenes, and two, special effects. So he just hunkered down and read up on it. And I thought he executed it fairly well. He went in as a fan of the material. Uh, I think originally this was supposed to be bigger than than it was. So it's not the biggest A-list cast uh you know christopher lambert at this point you know once it was released was the biggest star of the film playing raiden of course who if you watch the 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 audio from the trailer if you actually watch the actual tv spot itself they spell raiden wrong (laughs) in the commercial they spell it r-a-y-d-e-n when it's actually r-a-i-d-e-n so uh, yeah, leave that up to the marketing department there. Um, originally, they wanted a Brandon Lee as Johnny Cage. That, unfortunately, didn't work out. No. Then they wanted Jean-Claude Van Damme for Johnny Cage. That's just weird. 
Well, he was Guile. Well, he turned it down to do uh, Street Fighter okay. instead. So I guess that doesn't really make much sense either because Guile was like this all-American. I liked him as Guile. It was fun. I like Street Fighter too. It was fun. I'm going to admit, I watched the shit out of both of these movies. Yeah, I, so did I. Um, they wanted Cameron Diaz for Sonya Blade. Ooh, that would have been good. But yeah, I do like um, who they got. She, they got the girl from Billy Madison, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or yeah, not Billy Madison. Uh, Bridget Wilson. For, uh, Veronica Vaughn. Yeah, that Veronica who, Vaughn, yeah. Veronica Vaughn, who I didn't realize she is uh, married to Pete Sampras. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, fun fact of the day. It got, uh, like I, I was saying, it's 34% on Rotten Tomatoes, which eh, in this day and age of emoji movies isn't terrible. It's just a fun movie to watch. And I give it a B plus for the on the video game bell curve. Okay. I'll take that. Uh, uh, <laughs> actually, Gene Siskel even went so far to say, only halfway decent video game adaptation he's ever seen. Paul W.S. Anderson, his next movie is Monster Hunter, a Capcom. So he's he stayed with video game movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fun, it's a good fight movie. I like, you can actually see the martial arts sequences. If he didn't, he went in this not knowing how to shoot a fight sequence, I want more people to come in and do movies not knowing how to shoot fight sequences because you can actually just see people fighting. Right. I don't need I don't need you know um, to be like like basically have the camera attached to the wrist like a GoPro and me swinging around and getting motion sickness. It was just fun to watch. And um, on an eighteen million dollar budget, they were able to pull off the special effects at the time. Uh, pretty half decently too. There was, you know, a lot to do for this. Yeah. Especially when you look at like Scorpion and uh, uh, Sub Zero, and you know, a lot of a lot of liberties were taken. They did a mishmash and stuff. Uh, it's probably more true to the source material than uh, Braveheart was. All right, we are. Uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna start kicking this in the high gear because we're an hour into this and only on your third pick. So, um, here, my next one. It's pretty self-explanatory why it was a blockbuster, but I'll just give you some insight into why it drove me nuts. From Walt Disney Pictures, he was the heir to a vast empire. This will all be mine? Everything the light touches. Until a treacherous plot cost him the throne. I will be king! But while his life may have changed, his destiny could never be denied. You are the one true king. I'm going back! Simba! In the great tradition of Disney adventure... The Lion King, rated G. Exclusive engagements now playing. Starts June 24th everywhere. So late June in 1994, Lion King came out, which was um, probably, I think the, at the time, the highest grossing Disney movie ever. It's basically Hamlet. And um, <laughs> it made a boatload of money, and the, and the Elton John score was even more popular it was huge yeah well uh try driving down to the beach with your mother about four Uh-oh. hours and she just plays the soundtrack on repeat and the only song you could stomach is akuna matata <laughs> yeah you didn't like a uh, circle of life i did but the 15th time i heard it i didn't like it anymore. Oh, okay i remember being at the kb and seeing they had like the wall like the first wall when you walk in had these action figures for something called lion king and uh, the little Timon guy, and he kind of looked like a monkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I didn't realize he was a meerkat. I, so I bought him and Pumbaa. Tim Rice 
wrote the lyrics and him and Elton John would go on to have a pretty solid career together. They made a couple Broadway musicals, uh, including one of, of Lion King. I think their performance of Can You Feel the Love Tonight was a top song on the Billboard charts. It was the fourth best a- selling album of the year and the top selling soundtrack. Not yet, like, but the fourth best selling album of the year is pretty huge. Yeah. Certified Diamond and the only soundtrack for an animated film to be certified Diamond. That's 10 times platinum. Wow. Yeah, it sold a lot. So, yeah, that's Lion King. We saw it in the theater. I liked it. I know they're redoing it as the live action kind of thing that they're doing. The CGI, like a la Jungle Book. It's even directed by John Favreau. And I know that uh, Donald Glover is uh, Simba and James Earl Jones is reprising his role as <sighs> Mufasa. That's cool that he's bringing. I yeah. but I don't understand. I mean, I'm is JTT not available? He, he. I'm sure he is. I'm just. I'm sure he's waiting for the call. Well, yeah. Donald Glover though can sing. Yeah, but Jonathan Taylor Thomas is Jonathan Taylor Thomas. That's true. Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen are Timon and Pumbaa. I think that's so perfect. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, and John Oliver is Zazu. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. But it's gonna. I mean, it's that's a lot to live up because this is beloved. It is. It is. And even by me, I, I, you know, I absolutely love this. This is probably this is my top. Is this number three? I think it goes Robin Hood, uh, the uh, Fox and the Hound, and probably Lion King. Yeah, I mean, I like this more than others, but you know, it's still a musical. It's still, I haven't rewatched it ever. Since it gives a really? Game. No. Oh, go back. It is. It's gorgeous. It's fantastic, and it's sad. Yeah. Oh, it's so sad. Hamlet. What? What? What's a Disney movie without murdering at least one parent? Yeah, that's true. And uh, I'm trying to think of what my favorite Disney movies would be. The Black Cauldron. Going Bed, deep. Uh, Bed knobs and broomsticks. Hmm. I don't know. You you like your witch movies? I like my weird movies, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh that's uh yeah, that's Lion King though. Big movie, nineteen ninety four, probably the biggest. Everyone was was uh in on that. That that was in the golden age, I believe, of Disney's resurgence and the the, re- the Renaissance. The Renaissance. Yeah. I mean they were just making money hand over fist. Oh, it's in the uh it's been added to the Library of Congress National Film Registry. Look at that. Sure, fuck it. Put whatever you want in there. Uh, Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> sure. There should be. They should put a couple in there. It's like, look, yeah, like, these like there, tales. A, so people in the future know that not every film produced at one point was a great work of art. So next year, Squeezer, make a note on your notes that next July nineteenth we'll be talking about this remake because that's when it that's when it comes out next year. Next. Oh, summer. look at that. Um, all right, uh, let's move on um, to your next pick. July second, they arrive. July third, they attack. July 4th is Independence Day.
this summer. When I think blockbuster, summer blockbuster, this movie is right it, up there. It's it's I it's on the it's on the Mount Rushmore of like summer blockbuster movies, right? And like it, it's importance to it, like it's basically it's not even the film itself, but the promotion leading up to it pretty much set the groundwork and every movie that's considered a summer blockbuster now just follows this exact formula of like six month release like that that was the teaser that aired during super bowl 30 okay and that was like unheard of at the time to release a trailer and start teasing something it's like six months out like there, there was there was you know, there was a marketing. We've talked about, you know, what Batman did and like Jurassic Park and stuff. But Independence Day just ratcheted up to just an obscene uh, level, and and just uh, putting themselves out there, uh, just marketing uh, billboards, commercials, merchandising. Just they would not let you get away from this movie. And then the the brilliance of it was being able to actually just tie it into the holiday. Uh, it is perfect because it just made you couldn't say Fourth of July at that time without tying in uh, this disaster film. It's true. Did you? I mean, it was just worldwide mega hype. It was also the first time, maybe not the first time, but this is it set the um, again the the limited early release. So yeah, it came out. It was released on on July third, but. They did an early one-day release, just like you do now, where you go to see your, you know, Infinity War, you know, Thursday night. Uh, Independence Day, really, like, they were the ones, like, this is going to make so much damn money. Let's open it up early. Okay. And it did, I mean, it made uh, what, eight, $817 million. It almost made a billion dollars. And then you throw in merchandising and stuff. The action figures weren't the greatest thing in the world, but no. it did come with... Uh, the the vehicles were awesome. The ships between the F eighteen and the alien, uh, the fighter. I had those two. Those were a lot of fun to have. They were awesome. Um, the so it comes off of. Uh, they were coming off of Stargate, mm-hmm. um, and someone just threw an idea out at them. Like, what would you do if like the aliens arrived? And they're like, well. In all the alien movies we've seen so far, it's like the aliens like travel across the the galaxy and then show up and then start hiding in your backyard. And it's like well, I would immediately start blowing shit up. So that that's where the idea came from, and they they penned it. And within 24 hours, this thing was greenlit. Like they sent the script out, and within within the day, they were like, "Here, take our money." What they would, just what would you say was the the what did you say was the release date of this? Uh, early release was July 2nd. Okay, so it came out, yeah. So yeah, it, it was released to actually coincide with the days uh, in, in the film. And I even, I remember this news coming out, like, long back, like, when it was even coming out that, um, and because I think they might have tried using it for marketing purposes, that originally the U.S. military was involved in providing resources, like, you know, the fighter jets and uh, logistics and like how things would function and what a command center looks like and then they said but you have to pull out anything that about area 51 
we don't want you talking about it. Wow. Like, well, it's like a third of the script takes place in Area 51. Uh, maybe even more. And uh, so they, the U.S. military then pulled their support and they had to go, it, go, on it, uh, go out on their own. Was this 1995? This was, well, that 95 was, 96 was the release, but yeah, it was uh, in production for a while. Uh, okay. I, I just remember, um, I'm just trying to see where it was playing this year, so keep, keep, keep talking amongst yourself. Oh, okay, I will. Uh, so even, even after the, the release, like they put so much money in to make money, of course. It's an investment. They spent $30 million just promoting the VHS release a couple months later. Sure made big bucks. So they spent like they spent almost twice the budget of Mortal Kombat to just sell VHS tapes. Good for them. <clears throat> and and uh, I'm sure it won, sold like crazy, didn't it? Won an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects, clearly. And it was nominated... Uh, uh, for sound mixing. Did you see the sequel? Resurgence? No, I did not. I didn't either. So... I'll get there. Let's see what it was And I going can't let out the fact that the cast is epic. Cast you got, is epic. You have Will Smith at the height of Will Smith being awesome. You have Bill Pullman at the height of Bill Pullman. You got Randy Quaid... <laughs> At the height of Randy Quaid. At the, at the height of Randy Quaid, um, and, and you have Jeff Goldblum in your in your movie as it's Jeff Goldblum. It's Jeff Goldblum. It's Jeff Goldblum. It's Ian Malcolm. It's, yes, you have Ian Malcolm doing Ian Malcolm things. Basically, they cast Ian Malcolm for their movie. It's like, Matt, just be a, don't be as cool. Be just a, be Ian Malcolm, but if he was a, a, a nerd for the day. Now, we talked, my last pick was obviously uh, The Lion King. Uh, the next movie to come out from Disney's animated was The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which did not do so well. Although Toy Story came out in 95, and that destroyed mm -hmm. that movie. It destroyed. It was the first CGI animated movie ever. Yeah, people wanted to see what... And, and it... Technically, yes, Toy Story is a brilliant film, but just story-wise, it's just so it's awesome. What do you think um, Independence Day was up against here when it came out? I obviously Hunchback and Notre Dame. Ninety-six. Damn it! I just closed my Nutty Professor, Phenomenon, Eraser, Mission Impossible. Which we, this, we're talking the new Mission Impossible is coming out. Came out this past weekend. We're talking about a time when the first one came out, 22 years ago. Jesus Christ. Yeah. What, what was going on in the mid-90s where they were like, just making awesomeness? Right. Twister. Yeah. And uh, Babe. Also, Demi Moore's Striptease came out. Oh, I remember that movie. And um, So this was at Becky's at 9 o'clock. What do you think was the double feature? I did not mention it yet. Yet? So it's... Independence Day in '96. Broken Arrow. Oh yeah, I remember that movie. Uh, and then uh, also big movie at the time, Welcome to the Rock. 
I love that movie. Yeah, we were just t- we were just talking to our young friend Jake, explaining the Rock to him, and he had no idea what we were talking about. And we're not talking about like, the dude, it's professional wrestler. Yeah, Th- that uh, was one. It was pr- that was one of like my most watched movies for the longest time. Was yeah, was the Rock. Uh, the Cable Guy was also out uh, in the Phantom um, striptease. I think is going to go on to be the biggest deal out of all these. Yeah. Do, right. do you think we uh, do we get another Phantom? Uh, Reboot no. anytime soon? Uh, I don't even know who has the rights to it. Want to go get them? <laughs> get the remake. They're probably just laying some somewhere. We can just pick them up and. Yeah. I I remember mo- a lot of these. Nutty Professor was huge. I remember Eraser because they used mm-hmm. uh, one of the scenes I remember from Eraser is they used like a you remember Sony's mini disc format. Yeah. Those were the the discs that you know. Remember back in the day when like a, a floppy disc or a disc could destroy. You know, take down mm-hmm. anything. Yeah, this was the disc they used to com- record uh. the information. Now, on a on a uh, thumb drive the size of literally a thumbnail, you can fit about fifty uh, mini discs. But mm-hmm. it's crazy. But they're not as cool. Not as cool. Not as cool. So yeah, that ID well, four wasn't. Wait, wasn't Tom Cruise? Didn't Ethan Hunt have? Weren't there those mini discs that he was? Uh, when he was hanging there above the floor. Yeah, that might have been it too. Yeah, you're right. Because I know in the opening scene there was it was a floppy, but I think he was using mini discs when he was hacking into the terminal. Yeah, I mean when you hack the terminal, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. God, I love that. I want to go back and just watch that scene again. The sweat drip. Oh, he catches the sweat in his hand. Yep. I like how of it was all our things we're talking floor, about yeah. Mission Impossible the most. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on, Squeezer. Would you cons- uh, would, uh, I'm going to tell you, my next movie uh, made over $100 million in the box office in 19, I believe it was 1994. It made almost $200 million off a budget of 75. Hmm. You're never going to believe what movie this was. So, obviously, the best summer blockbusters, uh, the, the ones that they know are going to make a lot of money, all come out in May. Mm-hmm. That's still something that's still done to this day. It's Infinity War. Um, this is Maverick, uh, based on an old TV show st- starring James Garner, mm-hmm. who's in this movie. I love that. We watched this movie over and over and over and over that summer mm-hmm. after it came out on VHS. Uh, I was. This was probably my first... I know my dad would watch... Uh, Lethal Weapons with, with um, obviously Mel Gibson, but this was probably when I fell in love with Mel Gibson before before he did Braveheart. I think this made more than Braveheart. $200 million? Uh, I'm looking at $183 million. I mean, that might just be... Yeah, $183 million, yeah, yeah. What did Braveheart make? Uh, I think it was like 200 something Oh, uh, okay. Still, this movie made this made a lot of money, and it was really popular. It was well received. Yeah, um, two hundred. Did you see? Th- you, did you see this? 
Uh, and like way back, probably. Uh, I don't know, was it on, maybe on like TNT back in like 1999 or something like that? Okay, so you didn't see... I did not, no. uh, We saw it, I remember, we saw. I think we saw it second run, like the Whitehall Mall dollar movie. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's why I drive my bike. (laughs) Um, So it ranked number 10 in opening weekends in 1994. Uh, Of course it could not beat a movie we already talked about, The Lion King, which was number two. Number one was Forrest Gump. And three was James Cameron's True Lies, another one I saw second run at the Dollar Theater. Uh, Santa Claus is four, Flintstones five, Dumb and Dumber six, Clear and Present Danger seven. A movie we're going to talk about in a few minutes was eight. The Mask was nine. Pulp Fiction was ten. Interview with the Vampire was 11. And um, Maverick was 12. It's not a nostalgia thing when I go, holy shit, those are, like, epic movies, right? No, no, they were. Yeah, they were. Disclosure was on there at 14. Star Trek Generations, 15. (laughs) Stargate, 17. Uh, Naked Gun, 33 and a third, was down at 23. The Crow, 24. D2's on that list, number 30. This is all 1994. Angels in the Outfield at 26. I remember seeing that. Uh, where did I see Angels in the Outfield? I want to say that was at the Roxy. I probably saw that for a buck. Beverly Hills Cop 3 was 34. We talked about that movie. Junior. Mm-hmm. Remember that one? Yeah. 40. Street Fighter, 42. Major League 2, 45. It was all 1994. Oh, God. Shawshank Redemption, 51. What? What a sad, sad state of affairs oh, Wyatt well, Earp's down you know there at 55 it, it says, reality it, bites that says it all mm. good year for movies 94 milk money 78 made 18 million hey um, speaking of Shawshank and then going back to the Dune thing I'm hoping they bring in Roger Deakins for that that would be awesome <laughs> Blue Chips remember that movie with Shaq 58 Oh yeah, I'm. Uh, I have a blog coming up that I'm half written about uh, Shaq Mania in the early '90s, and Blue Chips is right up there for a part of it. Uh, Shaq Mania in the early '90s. Come on, I don't think Shaq Mania has ever ended. That's true. Yeah, I. I yeah, did you there, wa- there was yes, there was that epic peak of it. But yeah. is he one of those guys that you can just throw in anywhere and you're happy that Shaq's there? Uh, during the celebrity softball game at the All Star game this year, yes, Shaq came <laughs> up to bat. And the pitcher's like, you're crowding the plate. And he's like, I can't help it. <laughs> he's just so huge. And then Teddy Roosevelt ran out and gave him his comically huge glove. And he was wearing it, trying to play with it. It was just, and he whiffed when he was at the bat. He doesn't care. He's just up there having a good time. Yeah. He's fucking Shaq. Uh, yeah, we kind of went off the rails. And I didn't really tell you about this. But it's a Western movie. And it's fun. <laughs> it's about gambling on a paddle boat. Go see it if you haven't. But yeah, that summer blockbuster, man. That was fucking maverick, baby. Uh, let's move on, Squeeze. Your next pick. I saw this in a movie about a bus that had to speed around the city, keeping its speed over 50. And if its speed dropped, it would explode. I think it was called the bus that couldn't slow down. You shouldn't mess with daddy, boys. You're 
race against time. What do you want? I want money, Jack. The city's on a collision course. It's been a step ahead every time. Now, guts will get you so far and then they'll get you killed. Get up! You've got nowhere to go! The only way to stop... There's a bomb on a bus. If it drops below 50, it blows up. ...is to go faster. Floor it! Keanu Reeves. How many lives you got, man? Speed Rated R starts tomorrow in theaters everywhere. All right. Speed. This was number eight on that list. That's why I left it off. Ah, thanks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to me, I, I remember seeing this and like, this is the coolest movie ever. Yeah, I fell in love with Sandra Bullock in this movie. And I fell in love with Keanu Reeves. So. Oh, I did. And um, I was in love with Keanu Reeves already. Bill and Ted. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Uh, the fact that he shaved his head for it, though, yeah. like that's they actually when uh, he was cast for it, they were kind of like uncertain. He wanted it. So he's like, took it all off. They're like, what did you do? You're Keanu Reeves. Right. Um, <laughs> Stephen Baldwin turned this down. <laughs> Man, I bet they're happy he did that. They wanted Stephen Baldwin. And he said, no, it's too much like Die Hard. Well, he was kind of big at that time. Uh, when did Usual Suspects come out? That next year? Uh, no, Usual Suspects, I think, was 94 as well. Yeah, so that's... Oh, well, yeah. All right, fair enough. In hindsight, yeah, you look kind of like looking back. Like, what were you thinking? But it's one of those things where you look back and, like, if that did happen, it'd be a completely different movie. Because the whole movie revolves around that, that chemistry of Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock, and it just works so well. Yeah. Um... That means- and of course, and then you got Dennis Hopper just being Dennis Hopper. Um, and I've never really been upset of a supporting character dying in a movie than when Jeff Daniels gets blown up. <laughs> uh, I was heartbroken. Jeff Daniels. I mean, spoilers. He had a better movie that year, but not much. Dumb and Dumber. Uh, dumb and Dumber. Um, it shows his, they, his range, the two of the, those two movies. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then, so, and the fact that uh, Dennis Hopper can both play a sadistic uh, bomber, madman, and uh, King Koopa. King Koopa. Yeah. I, I'm so glad we knew exactly where we one of the One of my favorite actors of all time, and I still will call him King Koopa just because. Well, you did such a good job with it. <laughs> He was having fun. He was having fun. They were all hammered. Yeah, they were all the fact that The fact that they proved that you can still make a functional film and get it released and make back a fraction of your budget, but be shit-faced in the process, that gives me hope. I liked it as a kid. I, I, I did too, but it's... That doesn't mean it's good. I liked a lot of things. Question. We kind of, we kind of mentioned Jeff Daniels and, and we talked about Jim Carrey. What would you say Jim Carrey's three biggest movies that made him were? Jim Carrey? Yeah. Um, I would say Dumb and Dumber, Ace Ventura, and... The Mask, right? Oh, yeah, The Mask. Thank you. All came out in 1994. All Wait, seriously? Yes. All in the top 20 releases that year. Dumb and Dumber 6... The Mask was nine, and Ace Ventura was 16. Wow. I didn't... All in the same year. All in the same year. Shit. Why did I think that they were like... Why did I feel like... like I thought like it was like The Mask came out later. Yeah, well, oh. it's what it seemed like. Yeah. Huh. No, the Mask was released 
in July 29th of 1994. Uh, Dumb and Dumber was released in December of 1994. And Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, I think was the first, which, yes, February of 1994. So, yeah, he took the whole year, but he, he got out three movies. Damn. Yeah. Good for that's impressive work. That is, and they made a lot of money. They made a damn lot of money, and and just beloved. Yeah, I mean, if you think Jim Carrey, you know, those are the three movies yeah. you're thinking of. Uh, Dumb and Dumber is my, you know, by far yeah, my Dumb and Dumber favorite out of all of them. Favorite. Um, uh, but yeah, they. Uh, when did and when did uh, Batman and Robin come out, or Batman Forever? Uh, ninety five. Okay. Yeah. Wow, so he was making bank. Yeah, he he got bank for Batman and Robin. Yeah. Because of what he did. And it made money, so. Mm-hmm. And then he did, I think, yeah, Batman Forever made 184 off of 50, and opened at 52. So that was his highest grossing out of all those, Batman Forever. Mm-hmm. His highest grossing movie of all time, though. I don't even know what that would be. I think maybe... Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind? I think maybe The Grinch. Uh, probably. Yeah. It was like Christmas movies. 260. Right behind... Bruce Almighty was up there, though. 242. Really? I never saw... I don't think I ever saw Bruce Almighty. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, uh... That's speed. That's, yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, funny thing, so Graham Yost came up with the idea and wrote it, um, but they, most of the dialogue and that he admits was all written by uh, Joss Whedon. Oh, really? Mm-hmm, yeah. He's responsible for responsible for the majority of the dialogue. Yeah, he was uh, doing a lot of ghostwriting in Hollywood back then. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think he actually has, even has a writing credit on it. He was like a, a just a partner on it. Um, they they brought him in just to yeah, SAG liven rules, it up. After a certain point, guys can't be added to the credits. So, hmm. um, and it was even offered. Uh, they went to McTiernan too. And they're like, "Can you do this?" Oh, really? And again, just like too Baldwin, like he's like, nah, "What's that?" Too much like Die Hard. Too much like Die Hard. But he's like, uh, "Give it to my it, uh, buddy uh, John DeBont." So was... John DeBont, who who was the DP on uh, Die Hard. He also did Black Rain, Hunt for Red October, uh, Basic Instinct, and uh, it it was kind of Die Hard Two on a bus. Uh, well, it's like it's like Speed Two only on a bus instead of a boat. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure which Simpsons speed reference to use. I had to go with Homer's. Yeah, Millhouse is is just as gold. And he uh, this guy did go on then. So he did. Debont did. Uh, Speed. He direct, well. He was he's a DP for the longest time, but after Speed, then he got Twister, then he did Speed Two, then uh, then he did The Haunting. Okay. Uh, and then uh, he was a producer on Equilibrium and Minority Report, and then he went back and directed the Laura Croft Tomb Raider, one of the earlier ones in like the early two thousands. Oh, the Angelina um, Jolie. Yeah, and I, I think after that, then. That was his last movie that he uh, directed, well, which it, I don't think it fared as well. But I mean, to come and do 
to come at, at, as a DP and then in the mid to late 90s, you do Speed Twister, Speed 2. Don't that, just call uh, it Speed 2. Call it by right. its full name. Speed 2 Cruise Control. Thank you. <laughs> I saw that in theaters, and I was so bummed. Yeah. Like, why did I think I was going to come and find something different? Like, well, like speed, because like the speed. bus works because streets aren't infinite. On a boat, you can drive out infinitely into the ocean and never have to worry about slowing yeah, down. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and just well, Speed Two is also like it was an action movie, and yeah, it was over. Some of the stuff was over the top, but it was also really clever in its execution. Yeah, Speed. Yeah. Like the scene. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And again, and it's like, and it's also very, cl- even though it's originally it was all supposed to like take place on the bus, like it wasn't, the story wasn't going to expand much more beyond that. Right. And on a lower budget and maybe a more, uh, if you're looking the more psychological thriller kind of way, and like look at the tensions of the people on the bus and like that would be a really awesome film too. Right. But if you're just making a sweet ass action film with a bus jumping gaps, uh, I'm surprised Sandy Bullock signed on for Speed 2 Cruise Control. Uh, yeah, you thought at Jason that Patrick. point that would have been below her. Yeah. Maybe she was contractually obliged. Maybe. Could have been. I don't know. You'd think she would have had some pull by then. But if it's in writing. But as far as I'm concerned, Speed is the best movie of all movies that have buses with bombs on them where they, if they drop under 50, they explode. I think it's the best one out of all of them. I in my I, I think you're right. Um, what was she? Okay, so she did Demolition Man, which she was great in. Everything's a Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, is, wait, that's so it's come true. Yeah, Demolition Man is real. Right. <laughs> then she did Speed, and then she did The Net. So that's why she did Speed Two Cruise Control. You didn't like The Net. Uh, not particularly, did you? I kind of did. I just, it was like, I guess it was computer programmer stumbling upon the conspiracy, you know. You weren't a fan? Uh. You were were smarter than me. You saw through all that stuff. I don't know if I was smarter than you or I just, it went, it went over my head. And that two if by C. It's funny. What they predicted back then happening in the net yeah. kind of happens all the time. <laughs> like your credit card and bank account, identity <laughs> yeah. beings. Like identity yeah. theft's a thing now. Yeah, and you don't think anything, you're just irritated by it. You're like, ah, oh, I got my identity uh, stolen again. I got to gotta, gotta change some passwords. Uh, you know, the bank's giving me my money back. But but not, like back then it was like, <gasps> yeah, now it's, now it's just like, you know, like a common cold. Wow, she is a busy lady who are we talking sandy bullock yeah she does not stop no no she's uh like maybe there's a year there or a year where she takes like a year off but then she'll do like like she didn't do a movie in like 2003 but she did three in 2002 yeah. she did two three she did three in 2009 like it yeah she's she keeps busy yeah but I, I, was well, I mean, and those are release days. It's not like, oh, you worked like that one day that year. No, yeah, you're like yeah. working year round. Yeah. It's just when the movie gets released. Yeah. Also, like the release is almost more work than the movie itself because 
you know, you're you doing, gotta do press. Presses. And I mean that she's one of those people that you put out there, yeah. you know, to promote. Unlike Bruce Willis, you put Sandy Bullock out there to promote your movie. Yeah. You won't insult the press. Which is is to he be out fair, there now selling glass? I don't think so. I think M Night goes and does that on his own. And I'd take James <laughs> McAvoy. Is he in glass, Bruce Willis? I would think so. I thought it wasn't. I thought he wasn't in it. Oh. I thought it I was just. Pain. Did we see him on an elevator? Uh, no, but I know someone that saw my window. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were filming. They filmed Glass in our uh, in Allentown, and because um, it's close enough to Philly for M Night Shyamalan. And uh, they actually filmed it in the same location they used to shoot Forensic Files at. Yes, they did, and yeah. we, I believe, were working a hockey game that day. And uh, a certain member of our crew got on the elevator with Sam Jackson, and all he could muster was, Maze Windu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Bruce, uh, Bruce Willis is in it. I'm sorry. He's David Dunn. But, I'm uh, sure I'll see it at some point on TNT. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, let's get to my last pick, because we're almost at two hours on this bad boy. I gotta go cut my grass. All right. Jed Clampett may be the world's newest billionaire. Absolutely. But he's still an average concerned parent. Hi. Who wants to do right by his family. Ellie Mae Clampett. He was fixing to bite my hand. But it's not easy in a town like Beverly Hills. It's mine. 20th Century Fox presents Jet. Hey, cut us off! That's real nice. It's yours, but I carry. Jethro. Fine, I figured this game out, Spanky. Granny. Ellie May. It's Rassel. Mr. Drysdale. That's much fat fricassee, and we don't skimp none. So, uh... Wait, wait, they weren't done listing people. Okay, hold on. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, they're going to list Lily Tomlin as... Uh, I, I, I love this movie. My dad was a big fan of the TV show, so he took us kids to see this idiot of a movie. But it was so charming. It was the fish out of water, but set in the 90s. So, they did a lot of, like, 90s jokes. Like, everyone had cell phones and beepers in Beverly Hills. Now, everyone has cell phones, <laughs> all over the world um dabney coleman is uh, the the banker trying to to uh, uh deal with all the money because you know they struck oil and then they're um, uh what's his name uh uh the father of the woman who sings x's and o's oh rob schneider rob schneider there you go he played the <laughs> Yeah, he played the little uh, scumbag trying to steal their money. Uh, he was with um, Leah, Leah Thompson, who was trying to seduce, uh, wonderfully played by Jim Varney, uh, Jed Clampett, uh, Diedrich Bader, one of my favorite character actors, playing Jethro you can't, and Jethreen. You really can't <laughs> get any better than his performance. Electronic Whitler. Um even Cloris Leachman as Granny. There's really good performances in this. Oh, one. you know what? I got. I'm gonna admit to you. So I might. The way you're talking about this now, 
I might go back and rewatch this and give it a shot. You should, because it, it is. Because uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm come clean. I didn't enjoy it. Really? I don't know what it was. Like I was just turned off by this movie. I don't know why. And I, but I like the cast. And I'm, you know, I love Jim Varney. I think he's one of the greatest. And Cloris Leachman's hilarious. But I just, I don't know what it was about this film. And there was something. Um, you, when when I saw it on on your list, I'm like, I kind of went, ugh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But and in, in now the way you're you're selling me, just your enthusiasm is. Uh, I what this was supposed to be a blockbuster, uh, but and it really wasn't a summer movie. It came out in October of '93. But I'm counting it because fuck it. <laughs> it's a it's a podcast about shit from the '80s and the '90s. Yeah, there's really no rules. There's no rules. <laughs> we we just we broke down speed and spent more time talking about Jim Carrey. So <laughs> that's how we do it. Uh, this, if you have not seen this, or you, if you, if you heard me say it and you thought like Squeezer did, ugh, go watch it. There's so many good jokes, like like Jethro trying to figure out things, and like they think Jethro's the smartest of them all, and the but he's like the biggest idiot, and him like figuring out bowling was great, and then and then the orangutan like actually doing it properly, uh, Ellie May, uh, like kicking everyone's ass the scene where they eat dinner at the pool table and and toss the buckets of roadkill to each other with and and with uh the pool the things that hold the pool pool cues such such great shit because i was i'm in i'm going i'm gonna quote roger ebert here i i think i was in the same boat as my buddy raj um when directors make a wonderful movie you look forward to their next one he's talking about wayne's world Yes. Uh, with special anticipation, thinking maybe they've got the secret. If it turns out they don't, you feel almost betrayed. That's how I felt after Beverly Hillbillies, one of the worst movies of this year or any year. Oh. <laughs> That's very mean to say. It is. And next year, the next year, she would go on to do The Little Rascals, which I also loved. And my oh, dad. That's, I, I, I like that. Although I was again, I was kind of turned off by that because, believe it or not, I am. I was a big fan of the originals. Oh, my gang. Yeah, I like the mic. And there's something about, I don't know if it was just seeing them in color. It just, it felt weird. Or knowing that the actors were all still alive. Um, that turned me off to that. I don't know. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so that was our summer blockbusters. I, I, I was wrong about the last one coming out being Mission Impossible. On August 3rd, Disney releases Christopher Robin. Uh, oh, lo- yeah. which looks adorable. The Winnie it, the it Pooh does look, It does look really good. And if Christopher Robin all of a sudden starts shooting H and pulls out a lightsaber, I'm going to get so giddy. <laughs> yeah, great movies by Ewan McGregor. Uh, and, and, and he's going to be in my Landstalker movie one day. He He's prime for it. Because mm-hmm. every, every, we're in talks. It's a hot property. It's a hot property. We're in talks. They're one way, but we're talking yeah cease and desist letter coming yet no it's still one way i'll let you know as soon as i get that one oh, okay i'll uh, be like oh look i got i got mail <laughs> you're still excited for mail even if it is a cease and desist, desist letter uh but yeah we gave you another almost two hour radios podcast so you're welcome uh i mean you probably didn't know this about jim carrey before you listen to this one Believe it or not, he wasn't in Speed. People are going to think that. <laughs> he wasn't in any of the movies we talked about. 
but we did talk about it uh and this was fun and uh next year we're gonna have to dig even deeper and bring you 10 more summer blockbusters that came out in october and who knows maybe we'll talk uh who are we gonna talk about in the next uh next one when we're talking about uh let's think of a, another summer block if we're when we're talking street fighter uh maybe we'll talk about um jeff bridges why not uh this was fun and we'll be back next week with more rad years for uh, i'm rk i'm squeezer you guys have a good one <laughs>